Welcome to the Rockcast. So glad you could join me. Sit back now and enjoy 50 to 60 minutes of uninterrupted commercial-free entertainment. Wow, what did I do to deserve this? Today, like usual, I'll be talking some rock, telling you what I've been watching on TV, playing some cool tunes, and possibly giving you a CD review or two. But let's get things started with some emails and Facebook messages. And the first one is from James Nelson, who says, Hey, Monty, how are you? Well, thanks for asking, James. You know, uh, it's starting to turn into fall, and I really love this time of year. The weather's really nice right now. It's starting to get a little cooler, and uh, football season has started, which I will get into in a minute. And thank God, baseball is coming to an end. Baseball! And don't get me wrong, I like baseball, but my two favorite teams have just been wretched this year. The Kansas City Royals just recently lost their 100th game of the year. And the Colorado Rockies have also just been terrible. And so between both teams, I probably sat there about 190 times and watched both of them lose. However, Alex and I will still make our way to Denver every now and then for a Rockies game. And we did so a couple of weeks ago, but I gotta be honest, it wasn't uh, as much for the game as it was they were giving away Charlie Blackman bobbleheads. Wow! And over the years, I've collected a lot of sports action figures, and so I wasn't gonna miss this because uh, Charlie Blackman is my favorite baseball player. And yes, he's a great player, but most of the reason is that he just looks so cool. He's got the long hair and this big old beard, and uh, he's just really badass. And so we got there about three hours early and uh, stood in line and got in there and got the bobbleheads. And we just had a really good time. But, uh, you know, I think that's probably going to be the last game we go to this year as far as baseball. Outside of that, you know, I'm still struggling trying to make a living doing art. And some months are better than others, but uh, I just keep working. I just keep churning out the stuff. And I mostly do rock stars and metal guys. But recently, I branched out a little. I did a couple of rappers like Eminem and Snoop Dogg. And I also did one of Donald Trump. So everyone should be really, really concerned right now. Yeah, that's right. And I posted a picture of the painting on Instagram and Facebook. And I didn't really expect to sell it necessarily, but I knew I would get all kinds of reactions. And I wasn't really looking for reactions because I don't really care. I do what I do and uh, I'm happy with it. And that's all that really matters. But I was surprised at a lot of the comments. And I was mostly surprised at how many people liked it. But then, of course, I got several that were just kind of downright rude to me. 
I mean, I get it if you don't like Trump. I don't really care, but uh, you gotta insult me. Like one person told me I should stick to metal and keep away from politics. And when I hear stuff like that, I always think, okay, well, do you want me to come to your job and tell you what to do? Another person said, yuck, I also got a vomit emoji. Oh, that is so nice. But anytime you ever post anything about Trump, you know it's coming. And sure enough, somebody said something about Orange Hitler. And that's usually followed by, he's an idiot. And that always boggles my mind because first of all, I don't recall Trump ever wanting to completely exterminate a whole race or a group of people. And if you think he's stupid, okay, that's your opinion. But if intelligence is what you're looking for in a president, I hope you didn't vote for Biden. Because that guy can't tell you what day it is. I mean, come on, man, you know, uh, you know the thing. When's the last time you saw a black person in commercials? Uh, now, where am I? Oh, hey, that is uncalled for. But anyway, uh, as far as the painting, uh, I didn't know if I would sell it or not, but I actually did. A great guy named Stephen Disney actually bought it to give to a friend of his. Why? I have no idea. Because my paintings make great gifts, that's why. And if you'd like to check any of my paintings out, go to my website, montycalvinart.com. And sorry, I said there weren't going to be any commercials, but uh, that was a sneaky one. But back to some emails, comments, and questions. I got one from Dan the Man Cunningham. And he asks me this every single year, I think for like the last 14 years, which is, hey, Monty, are you ready for some football? And year after year, my answer is always the same. Oh, of course I am, Dan. I'm always ready for some football. I have high hopes for my Kansas City Chiefs, even though they lost the season opener to the Lions. But I just love it. I sit there on Sunday afternoon and watch all day. And I love it on Monday nights when I hear that music for Monday Night Football. da 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 because it always takes me back to when I was a kid and uh, Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football. And I've just always loved the NFL a lot more than college, too. I just recently, though, started watching more college ball because uh, Colorado University got Deion Sanders as a coach. And he has just seemingly turned everything around. They won about one game last year, and this season uh, they've just seemed like a whole new team. And they're really fun to watch, so I've been watching some of that too. Oh, thank you for telling me. Uh, I got another message one day on Facebook, and this one was kind of interesting. I won't say the person's name, uh, but I had never heard from them before. And I didn't know who it was, but uh, when I looked at the message, all it said was, are you a Christian? And so I wrote back and I said, uh, well, who are you? And he immediately answered back with, I'm so-and-so from Pennsylvania, first time, long time. And so I said, okay, is that the way you begin every conversation with someone or is it just me? And to that he said, I asked because there was a band, Awful Truth, that I believe was marketed as Christian, and then Galactic was championed by some as Christian. Any truth to that? 
And to that, I responded, well, I don't have much to do with marketing. What a jerk. Okay, well, I know I probably sounded like kind of a smartass. That's right, you're a jerk. And all right, maybe I was. But I just thought it was kind of a weird way to start a conversation. There was no, hi, how you doing, let me introduce myself. Or, I understand you were in Galactic Cowboys, I've got a couple of questions for you. No, it was just straight to, are you a Christian? And I gotta be honest, when I hear something like that, it just makes me feel like they're saying to me, tell me if you're a Christian or if you're in a Christian band so I can find out whether it's okay to like you. And so that's why I asked him why he wanted to know. And when he brought up marketing, well, that just brings up bad feelings for me. It takes me back to when I was playing with a Christian artist named Morgan Cryer. And he was on a Christian label, and all we did was play for Christians. And it all just seemed very contrived. Morgan was marketed as kind of the uh, Christian Brian Adams. And then there was other stuff like the Christian Iron Maiden, and oh, they're the Christian Madonna. And so by the time I got out of that Christian industry kind of thing, I just wanted to be in a band. However, after that, I did continue to play with guys who were Christians, but we never asked to be marketed as that. Now, am I a Christian? Good question. But for me, there's not really a simple answer. Do I believe in God? Definitely. I talk to him every day. But do I go to an organized Christian church? Not at this time. I haven't for years. And the reason for that is I just got really burned out. After going for most of my life and getting screwed over by many Christian people, I finally just said enough. I got manipulated, gossiped about, slandered, financially ripped off, and sued, all by people who called themselves Christians. And I eventually said, you know what, if that's what being a Christian is about, count me out. I don't want to even be called a Christian. But before any of you who would judge me and go, ah, oh, poor Monty, he's lost and going to hell, there is a twist to this story. You see, about three years ago, I was 61, my wife had just divorced me, uh, I was broke, even more than I am now and I was going through the lowest time of my entire life to the point where I just wanted to commit suicide. And you know something? The only people who were there for me, reached out to me, and acted like they cared about me were, strangely enough, Christians. And it was through all that that for the first time in my entire life, I saw that God possibly loved me, that he cared about me and wanted me to continue living. Before that, it was all about a bunch of rules and thinking, honestly, that God hated me. And trust me, I'm not trying to preach right now because I know how boring sermons are. Because I sat in church for years going, oh my God, when is this going to get over with? But the reason why I'm telling you this is I know there's a lot of people out there that looked at me as a musician who wrote a lot of songs about God and spiritual things. And I understand because there's bands that I've liked in the past who considered themselves Christian bands who now say, no, we're not a Christian band. In fact, we're not even Christians. I'm talking like, as I lay dying under oath, uh, the devil wears Prada. And I kind of tried to look into some of these bands and find out what the story was. 
and I watched some videos with interviews and I just tried to hear what they had to say. And I found with a lot of them, they said, you know, uh, the older we got, the more we started questioning what we believed. But if we even dared to question our faith, uh, other Christians would just judge us. And I've definitely felt that in the past myself. I felt like since I was known as a Christian, I always had to uphold this perfect image. And if anyone ever found out that I was just human, they were not only disappointed, they were ready to destroy me. And so it took me a long time to work through it all and kind of understand what I believe. And to be honest, I'm still working through that. But I do believe in God because I've seen people who don't believe in God and uh, believe in the universe or nature or the moon and stars. And I've found that those kind of people are generally hopeless and uh, look to drugs or alcohol as a way to fill up that empty hole they have in their life. But those are just some of my thoughts. Uh, you do whatever works best for you. Very pointed and provocative commentary. Okay, I got a question now from Sabrina Nelson on Facebook. She says, hey, Monty, what do you think of the different bands retiring this year? All right, well, thanks for the question, Sabrina. Uh, I actually had to look it up and see who was retiring. And the first one I saw was the Eagles. And here's where I kind of land on the Eagles. I never saw them live and uh, never really wanted to. I know they had a massive ton of hits, but a lot of those songs I did not like. For instance, I hated Desperado and Peaceful Easy Feeling, but I did like Victim of Love and Hotel California. I always liked Joe Walsh and Don Felder as guitar players, but overall I was never a fan of the band. And the fact that they're doing a farewell tour without Glenn Fry is kind of weird for me. It's kind of like Mick Jones of Foreigner doing a farewell tour of Foreigner without basically everybody that was ever in Foreigner. Just no way to have Lou Graham do that tour with you, Mick, huh? Yeah, well, needless to say, the fact that, quote, Foreigner is retiring is good news. But now here's one that I did not know about. Apparently, Candlebox is retiring. I did not realize they were still together, but I guess since they're in their 50s, they've decided it's time. Now, please don't hate me for saying this, but yes, I'm happy to hear that Candlebox is retiring. The sad news for me is that I will still have to occasionally hear Candlebox on the radio. You are hated. Now, you Yacht Rock fans will be upset to hear that Kenny Loggins is also retiring. Now, it might surprise you that I actually saw Kenny Loggins live, uh, God, it must have been in the 70s or early 80s. A couple of my cousins had an extra ticket and they asked me if I wanted to go for free and that I could ride with them. And I took them up on it and I went and, uh, you know, what can you say about Kenny Loggins? He wasn't great. Yeah, he was all right. He was not. But I had no desire to see him after that, and so I'm fine with him retiring. Because he's not very good. Now, who am I not happy to see retire? Well, Aerosmith. And Alex and I will be going to see them in November in Denver. Uh, that is, if Steven Tyler's voice holds out. And hopefully it will, because I've actually never seen Aerosmith live. 
And so this may be my last chance, but you know, you gotta wonder, uh, won't they pop up again in a couple of years? Probably so. You know, kind of like Kiss. I saw their farewell tour about, uh, what, four or five years ago. And I don't think they've stopped touring since, so do I really believe this is it? I don't know, could be, but uh, I gotta believe they'll get together and do an album again someday. Maybe they're done touring, but I think they'll probably do more music in the future. I no doubt started this dialogue. I, I can say that confidently. Now here's some bonus content for your question, Sabrina. What are some bands I wish would retire? Well, the first one is Kansas. I mean, seriously, enough is enough. If I see one more album come out by a band named Kansas that doesn't have Carrie Livgren or Steve Walsh in it, I'm going to lose it. Another one is probably Jefferson Starship. If they're still around, please stop. And the reason I thought of them was because the other day I was in a grocery store and I hear them over the intercom playing Sarah. And I thought, you know, I really feel sorry for Mickey Thomas because that guy had such an amazing voice. But forever, he'll be thought of that guy that was in that band that did Built This City. And that song is always on everyone's worst song of all time list. And so everyone will always associate Jefferson Starship with a band that sucks. But it's never been the fault of Mickey Thomas. Who do I blame? Grace Slick. She was always the worst part of that band. And if you're listening, Grace, I didn't mean a word of that. Liar! On the other hand, long live ACDC. Angus could be shuffling around on stage with a walker and I'd still want to go see him. Another band that is retiring that I almost forgot about is Kix. The other day I watched a live video of them from 1991 and they were just amazing and they will be missed.
All right, next I got a question from Brian Herman who wanted to know, do you ever get in the mood for mellower music like The Cure, The Choir, or even Enya? You know, Brian, I'm going to have to say not very often. I'm pretty much a heavy metal, hard rock, uh, punk rock kind of guy. And if I'm not in the mood for any of that kind of stuff, I usually just listen to a podcast. However, I do have a couple of things in my music catalog that would be considered mellow, like the Cocktoo Twins, Kate Bush. And when I was in college, I actually had a couple of Gino Vanelli albums. I can't believe it! Yeah, I know, hard to believe. But uh, for most situations, I'm a just a rockin'. What a wimp! Now here's something else that Brian Herman sent to me. It's a top 10 list. And I haven't read one of these in a long time, and it's because uh, I quit doing the top 10 playoffs. In fact, I think the last one was about three years ago. And if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know I got a lot of really crazy lists. But I gotta tell you, this list here that Brian sent me is one of the weirdest. As a matter of fact, I don't even understand what he's talking about. But I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, this is Brian's top 10 sound clips from the Rockcast. And like I said, I'm sorry, but I have no idea what you're talking about, Brian. But here goes. At number 10, he's got Stoner Dude. Right. Okay, see what I mean? Stoner Dude? I don't get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, number 9 is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Brutal! Uh, number 8 is Mark Levin. I don't care about any of it. <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, number 7 is something called Angry Black Guy. I don't want to hear it! Number 6 is Alex Jones. And I'm angry about it! And at number five, for some reason, he's got Eddie Trunk. This all started with all the headlines I made. Okay, well, I gotta say that uh, that's probably the first time ever that Eddie Trunk and Alex Jones have been on the same list. I, I literally want to take this pen and jam it in my ear right now. Anyway, at number four, Brian has Peter Griffin. Now that's weird. <laughs> You're right, it is. <laughs> okay, well, once again, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about, Brian. Yeah, you know what the hell would you then? Yeah, go to hell. Go to hell. Moving on at number three, Brian has somebody called Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh, yeah, good one. I never thought of that. Okay, like I said, really weird. Uh, at number two, he has the name of a political broadcaster named Mark Belling. Give me a break. Okay, well, I think I've heard of Mark Belling. I think he does a show in Wisconsin. I'll admit I've never heard of the guy. And finally, at number one on Brian's list of top ten sound clips from Monty's Rockcast, whatever that means, The Price is Right Horns. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, thanks for the list. You know, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean other people uh, won't. And regardless, I really appreciate you listening to my podcast. This will never end. All right. I think what I'm going to do now is give you a little break from hearing me talk. And I'm going to play you a couple of cool tunes. Because I recently got a new CD by the band Filter. And I think everybody knows them from their song, Hey Man, Nice Shot, which uh, was drilled into our heads over and over by FM radio. 
But I hadn't heard much from them in a while, but recently when I saw that they had a new album out, I thought, you know, I better check this out. And I did, and it's called Algorithm, and I gotta say, uh, I like it. So if you don't know anything about Filter, let me fill you in. It's mainly the work of one guy, and his name is Richard Patrick. He also happens to be the younger brother of actor Robert Patrick, and you may have seen him in Terminator 2. But Richard Patrick started out years ago playing guitar in Nine Inch Nails, and from there he started Filter, and I think they've got about eight albums now. And this new one just has some really good tunes on it. I don't like every song on here. There's a couple that are kind of nine inch nail-ish that uh, are just kind of okay in my opinion. But there are some really nice gems in here with some really good choruses. 
you ever heard one of those CDs where most of the album is kind of heavy or hard rock? And then they throw in this kind of acoustic mellow song that you like almost more than anything else? Well, that's the case with this one. It's toward the end of the album, and I just really like it. Almost kind of reminds me of something Ty Tabor would do. So there you go, a nice sampling off the new Filter CD. I'm gonna give it three and a half, maybe even four Bloody Metal Skulls. now for a little what's on TV. This is where I tell you about what I've been watching and the first thing that caught my eye was a documentary called Underground Inc. and it was subtitled The Chaotic Rise and Fall of Alternative Rock. And I don't remember where I saw it, whether it was Prime Video or something like that, but I found it very interesting. Because we all know the story, and I've talked about it a hundred times, about how Nirvana came along and blew everything up. And that obviously affected my career, as well as uh, a thousand other metal bands. Because all the labels at the time, who had been supporting and signing metal bands, suddenly said, uh, we're done with you, we're gonna go sign a bunch of alternative bands, because that's what's happening now. And that's basically what this documentary is about. It's about all those bands that got signed after Nirvana. 
And the story is told through interviews with all these musicians who thought they were going to be the next big thing. And a lot of them I actually liked, like Helmet, uh, Quicksand, Failure, Handsome. And I had no idea the struggles that a lot of these bands went through. For instance, like Galactic Cowboys, uh, some of them got signed to major labels and they spent a buttload of money making their album and videos and all this and then they would just get dropped. And so it's kind of a sad story, but on the other hand, I took some kind of uh, weird joy in the fact that there were other bands who kind of came along and replaced us and uh, kind of had the same thing happen to them. <laughs> Yeah. Now, as I'm sure that you're aware of, as of today when I'm recording this, there's a writer's strike going on in Hollywood. And it's amazing to me how little I care. And as far as I'm concerned, those writers can stay on strike forever. Because most of the shows they write for, I don't watch anyway. I'm also nauseated at all the woke bullshit that they continue to jam down our throats here lately. I also think it's wonderful that people like Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, and uh, Stephen Colbert aren't able to do their shows right now because they're unable to come up with material themselves. And those guys have actually resorted to doing a podcast together, which I caught about two minutes of and found it completely unwatchable. So kiss my ass Hollywood, there's plenty I can find to watch on YouTube, or as I like to call it, the commercial channel. You know, because unless you pay them $12 a month, they're going to interrupt whatever you're watching every minute and a half with a Liberty Mutual commercial. Still, I fight my way through it because there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. For instance, the other night I watched a full concert of Queensryche in 91, where they did the Operation Mindcrime album in its entirety. And I just sat there going, oh my god, that band was so incredible back then. And that album was such a freaking masterpiece. I got to see them open for Metallica back then, and they were just amazing. And speaking of Metallica, I'm pretty sure most of us couldn't afford to go to their concerts now. But has anybody seen any of the footage of uh, the tour they're doing right now with Pantera? I mean, two incredible bands, but what's up with that stage? It's basically shaped like a donut, and it doesn't look like there's a good seat in the entire stadium. Even if you're in the middle on the front row of the pit, one minute they're standing there playing in front of you, and the next minute they're gone. And if you're in the upper deck, it looks like there's video screens and uh, speaker cabinets in your way to where you can't see the band. And so I don't like the way that stage looks, and I wouldn't really want to go see that, even if I could afford it. But if you got to go, uh, message me and let me know what you thought of that whole thing. I am not capable. Now, something else I saw on YouTube that wasn't great, but I still watched it was a documentary about doom metal, and it was called The Doom Doc. Isn't the name terrific? And the thing is, is that I don't really like doom metal, but I was interested to find out a little bit about it. And what I discovered is that uh, a lot of the people who like it and play doom metal do so because it's better when you're stoned. All right. 
And that kind of explains a lot of bands to me. You know, I always wondered why people liked The Grateful Dead. And now I know that it's because, you know, if you're on acid, they actually sound like they're a good band, maybe. And maybe that's why people would go see Jimmy Buffett, God rest his soul. You get really drunk, smoke some weed, and suddenly his music sounds listenable. And when I realized this, it became crystal clear as to how Jimmy Buffett could become a billionaire, God rest his soul. But speaking of billionaires, on the last episode, I talked about the show Succession. I watched the whole series, and I personally thought it kind of sucked. And I threw out the question to my listeners, uh, if anyone has watched this show, uh, tell me what you think of it. Am I way off? Did you like it? Or uh, are you like me? You thought it sucked. Well, I didn't hear from one single person. So I'm going to assume that you all agreed with me that you thought the writing was terrible and you hated every single character. But the reason why I bring it up again is because I got to thinking about Succession and the episode where the dad offers one of the kids a billion dollars just to go away. Or as he would say, fuck off. But since it's a TV show, the kid goes, no, I'm going to battle to take over the company. And it made me think, what would I do if someone offered me a billion dollars to go away? And my answer would be, of course, I would take the money in a second. And then I thought, what would I do with a billion dollars? And so I made a list of things that uh, I would do if I had a billion dollars. And so here we go, starting at 10, I would pay off all debt. And I would also save and maybe invest a few million just to ensure that I never had to work another day in my life. At number nine, I would buy a big, huge house for Alex and I to live in. It wouldn't have to be a Tom Brady-style mansion, but big enough to where I could have a multimedia room. I would have a giant studio to paint in. I would have a music studio in there where I could record albums. And something I've always dreamed about is having a basketball court inside of the house. And I'm talking full-size glass backboards, and if I wanted to go at 3 in the morning and shoot threes, I could do it. No, that's stupid. Now, at number 8, if we had the big, huge house, I would also buy a big, huge horse for Alex. It wouldn't necessarily have to be huge, but I would get her a horse. Because one day I asked her, if we were rich, what would you want? And she said a horse. So there you go. Now, as you know, I'm not like most people, because if you ask most people, they'd probably say if I were rich, I'd buy a car. You know, I'd buy a really expensive car. And well, yes, I would buy a car, but it would be a limousine. And I would have my own personal limo driver to drive me everywhere. Because for the most part, I hate driving and I would never have to do it again. I wouldn't have to deal with traffic or idiot drivers. Uh, Someone else could do that. So that would be seven. But the next thing I would do at number six is buy season tickets to the Avalanche, Nuggets, and maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. And instead of watching it on TV like I do now, I would just go to every single game. That's weird. Now, at number five, I would buy a tour bus and possibly a private jet. 
And that's because at number four, uh, we would travel. I'd like to go to Hawaii, maybe to Paris again. But the thing I'd like to do more than anything, and I've dreamed about this forever, is travel around the United States and go to every ballpark, stadium, and arena and see a ball game or a hockey game of every team in every sport, uh, except for soccer and the WNBA. Are you insane? Okay, so I'm sure you're probably thinking I would give some of it to charity. And yes, I probably would find a good cause, but one of the first things I would do at number three is I would give a few million dollars to a few select people. For instance, I would set my daughter Zoe up for life. And for some of the people who were there for me when I was at my lowest, I would make sure they never had to work again. And that would bring me to number two, which is I would get the band back together. Why not? Record an album, put it out, and if it didn't sell, who gives a shit? I'm a billionaire. You're a genius. And finally, at number one, if I became a billionaire, I would sleep really well. Yeah, you would. Ho -ho. All right, let's wrap it up with some emails. And I got one here from the great Jimmy G in Chicago. And Jimmy has a couple of questions. First one being, hey, Monty, did you know that Taylor Swift was a Chiefs fan? Does anyone care? Uh, yeah, I did see that, Jimmy. She was at the game the other day, and apparently she's dating Travis Kelsey now. And I'm pretty sure if you're not a Chiefs fan, you're probably starting to hate the Chiefs. That's correct. Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes are everywhere now. They're on commercials. And I can imagine people are starting to feel like they did about the Patriots and Tom Brady when they were winning every year. But you got to understand, people like me who have rooted for the Chiefs for years, we're really enjoying this because we watched them suck for so long. So cut us some slack. Uh, it probably won't last forever, but I wish it would. Now, Jimmy's other question was, since you're in Colorado, do you have any plans to try snow skiing this year? Uh, no, no plans to do that, Jimmy. The fact is, is that I have no coordination when it comes to putting anything on my feet besides shoes. I tried water skiing once, I tried snow skiing once. Both were major fails. I also tried roller skating once and uh, spent the whole time landing on my butt. What a dork you are. I also got another email from someone that I hadn't heard from in a long time, and that being Greg Skipton. And Greg said, hey, Monty, a while back you did a review of Avenged Sevenfold's new album, and yeah, that was uh, different. The first thing that came to mind was when I heard music from The Elder from KISS. Just a complete 180. With that said, have you ever done a top 10 list of albums you love that everyone else seems to hate? Uh, you know, I don't believe I have, Greg. And that sounds like a good idea, but I think I'll save it for the next episode. But now that you mention it, I could also do a list of albums that everyone seems to love that I hate. Or better yet, bands that everyone seems to like that I can't stand. And one that immediately comes to mind is Five Finger Death Punch. I hate their name, I hate their singer, and I pretty much hate every song I've ever heard by them. 
Uh, except one. And I'll tell you what it was in a minute, but first I gotta remind you to go to my website, monicalvinart.com. I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got refrigerator magnets, and they all make great gifts. In fact, the other day I did a new painting of John Bon Jovi. And before the day was over, my friend Marty Warren bought it for his wife, who is a big Bon Jovi fan. And I don't think I need to tell you how much his wife is going to love that, nor do I need to tell you how much that is going to pay off for Marty. Yeah! So the next time you want to buy a gift for somebody, go to the coolest website on the internet, monicalvinart.com, and get something unique. Just do it! Okay, so like I said, I've never heard a Five Finger Death Punch song that I liked. Until one day when I saw a video on YouTube by a guy named Bill McClintock. The guy does mashups of metal songs and other songs combined, and the guy's a genius. And he took a Five Finger song and mixed it with Marvin Gaye, and I actually love it. So this is a Five Finger Death Punch song that I actually like for the first time. If you want to watch the video, go to YouTube and look up Five Finger Death Punch and Marvin Gaye. But I'm going to play you out with it right now, and I hope you dig it. And if you don't, oh well. I'm still going to be back soon with more fun and mayhem, but until then, this has been Monty saying take care, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on!
in the face.